0: Boston University lecturer was killed in an elevator accident. Let's listen to this. There's a uh, commercial, of course. They don't go directly. They don't go directly to the story without pushing. Merch first. A state
1: inspector now checking the Alston elevator involved in a fatal accident. This may be an elevator accident involving a serious injury. That's the call emergency crews responded to at an apartment building off Comav Monday evening, 38-year-old Carrie O'Connor, Boston University lecturer, who taught French, was moving into the building. Residents say she was trying to get a large box into the old
2: elevator. They believe that she tripped some sensor that let the elevator know that the doors were actually closed and that it started moving on her.
1: The fire department's report states that crews found O'Connor trapped between the elevator car and the first floor. Boston police say she died of traumatic asphyxiation. You heard those cries last night. It was horrifying. I would never want to hear that ever. This tenant says he used the elevator just before O'Connor. That was
3: really scary, um, thinking that it could have really been me, could have been anyone.
1: 7news has learned the elevator was recently inspected and was certified in accordance with state
2: regulations. All I'm thinking is I really hope for the victims' families that they can get
4: some understanding of what happened.
0: Oh, that's tragic. Well, this here in Don Lemon.
2: When the world gets complicated,
0: Don Don Lemon will be speaking after this commercial. I'm not sure what his topic is, but it's likely to be political.
5: the Attorney General of the United States, William Barr, tonight, he said it, claiming that pandemic closures are the greatest intrusion on civil liberties since slavery. Presidential historian John Meacham is here. He's the host of a new podcast, It Was Said. John, I really appreciate you joining us. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, I'm I, I glad that you're on to discuss this. So, in a speech at Hillsdale College tonight, the Attorney General said this about the national lockdown to stop the coronavirus pandemic. Here it is.
2: Now, other than slavery, which was a different kind of restraint, this is the greatest intrusion on civil liberties in American history.
5: I I don't know what to say honestly, John. What what do you say to that? Well, it's incendiary hyperbole uh, designed to feed a sense of paranoia and fear uh, on behalf of an administration that is relying not on a message or an agenda of hope grounded in traditional American understandings of liberty uh, and is instead betting on finding just the right number of Americans in the right number of states who will say, yeah, we're, we're scared, we're mad, we want a tough guy. Uh, and, you know, if you think that this is uh, akin to slavery, you obviously never suffered under the uh, burden of slavery in real time or in its long-time uh, long system of segregation, denial of the suffrage of voting rights that grew out of it or even I thought about say, what it would mean like what 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 slavery means you had, yeah. yeah it's 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 sort of you know we're locked in this odd abusive relationship uh with this administration where at some level you Suggest you read up on the Alien and Sedition Acts. I would suggest you talk to the Japanese Americans uh, who were in, interred during the, um, interned during the interned during the Second World War. Uh, talk to the victims of Joe McCarthy. Talk to the victims of the, uh, one of Barr's predecessors, A. Mitchell Palmer, who led raids in 1919 and 1920 as part of the first Red Scare. And talk to the black folks who, in my native region lived under apartheid until about 60 years ago, 55 years ago. and And remember what we're talking about, we're talking about un- scientifically uncontroversial public health measures. It, it, this, is, this is not some ideologically driven plot on behalf of the public health officials and the alleged deep state to change American lives, is to try to save American lives because of a global pandemic that is unfortunately rooted in history. A hundred years ago, we lost 675,000 Americans. We've lost 200,000 Americans now. And this is only the beginning of these kinds of asymmetrical threats. It's one of the wages of globalization. And to have people at the top of the government who are so self interested and so ideologically committed. To the amassing and the holding of power that they would throw truth over the side so glibly is a cause for serious, serious concern.
0: Hmm. There, you heard it with your own ears. We'll keep the videos rolling if we can. There'll be ads before each one begins, but we'll keep listening for a little while.
4: (laughs) It was supposed to be a game changer in the fight against COVID-19. The Trump administration announcing a few weeks ago, it was buying 150 million new Abbott Laboratories rapid antigen tests. We're gonna deliver millions every week to governors. Finally, the U.S. has desperately needed point of care tests which don't have to be sent to a lab, can be done at schools, workplaces, and nursing homes and give results in just 15 minutes. But what should be a pivotal moment in the response to coronavirus likely will not be. Because once again, there is no clear national plan According to 11 experts who spoke to CNN, all who believe the country needs more federal guidance.
1: National messaging is essential to controlling infectious disease because diseases don't stop at state borders.
4: The point of care tests are cheap and very fast, but not as accurate. Multiple experts tell CNN they are most effective when groups of people are tested repeatedly. That would require far more tests than the U.S. has on order. We are
5: talking about a lot of tests, more than 100 million tests per month.
4: Which is why 10 states have teamed up to purchase millions of their own tests. And in lieu of any detailed guidance from federal health officials, the Rockefeller Foundation and Duke University have come up with their own guidelines, a report on effective testing and screening for
5: COVID-19. How we test, how often we test, who we test, which tests we use for people who don't have symptoms... When they're going back to a workplace or going back to school, that's where we really need guidance. The report's main feature, according
4: to Duke University Director and former FDA Commissioner Mark McClellan, is screening massive amounts of the population on a regular basis. One key goal, catching asymptomatic individuals. Forty percent of people infected with
5: coronavirus have no symptoms. We have asymptomatic testing going on now. It works. It helps reduce spread. What we don't have is a national strategy that we're actually implementing to get those asymptomatic screening tests to everybody who most needs them right now. The report's plan, testing school children
4: returning to class, essential workers, detecting positive cases, isolating them, tracing their contacts, and developing a single, coherent public health message with one simple goal, suppressing the virus so we can reopen society. That sounds like a plan that you would have at the beginning of a pandemic, not eight months in.
5: Well, it would have been helpful to have a plan at the beginning.
4: It would also have saved lives. South Korea and the United States both announced their first case within 24 hours of each other. South Korea launched a massive testing program. The U.S. did not. Deaths in the U.S. skyrocketed to now nearing 200,000. South Korea's death toll is less than 400 a rate 85 times lower. They refuse to launch a national uh, response. It's one of our greatest national tragedies, and it's our biggest public health failures. The kind of testing needed now, according to experts, can be found on some U.S. campuses, like the University of Illinois, where students take a saliva test twice a week. They're able to identify asymptomatic people with COVID and limit potential outbreaks before they spread. But epidemiology professor Rebecca Lee Smith says it won't work unless the entire nation works together.
1: It is quite frustrating. Guidance from the top down is what will get us together as a country to get out of this.
4: Anderson, the Department of Health and Human Services responded to this report saying they do have a national strategy and support, $10 billion worth of support. (laughs) local and state agencies to do testing but those state agencies say that's not a strategy at all that's just throwing money at 50 different states to come up with their own plan and it's just not the kind of leadership and in fact the lack of leadership and leadership is what is needed now they say to get us through this pandemic
0: you heard it with your own ears. How many times do they have to say it? Well, over 40% of the people won't even believe a word that's coming out of this uh, so called, so called leaders mouth. And why should we? Okay, up next, more of the same. I doubt if anybody is surprised at what we're living Trump through.
1: On his CDC director calling him confused and mistaken on two issues central to stopping the spread of the virus: masks and vaccines. Let's start with this. Trump, after Dr. Robert Redfield, head of the CDC, said it would be up to a year before a vaccine is available to the general public.
2: I think he made a mistake when he said that. It's just incorrect information, and I called him. And he didn't tell me that, and I think he got the message maybe confused. I saw the statement, I called him, I said, what did you mean by that? And I think he just made a mistake.
1: Y'all had the call, you said that you told him that he had made a mistake. What was his response? No, I didn't tell him anything. I
2: said, what happened? And I got the impression that he didn't realize he said what he might have said. I didn't see him say it.
1: Okay,
0: well, let's let you hear him say it.
1: Here is Dr. Redfield today under oath.
0: Oh, what, a, what a I myth. think
3: there will be vaccine that initially be available sometime between November and December, but very limited supply and will have to be prioritized. If you're asking me when is it going to be generally available to the American public oh. so we can begin to take advantage of vaccine to get back to our regular life, I think we're probably looking at third, late second quarter, third quarter. 2021.
1: Okay, that is sobering. Late second quarter, third quarter. That's the end of the summer of the fall of next year. It is a year away, and it is long after Election Day 2020. That was his honest, clear scientific assessment. The president didn't like it. And then the president continued to suggest that Dr. Redfield got it wrong today when he said this.
3: We have clear scientific evidence they work. And they are our best defense. I might even go so far as to say that this face mask is more guaranteed to protect me against COVID than when I take a COVID vaccine.
1: The irony that the president of the United States who keeps saying he wants a vaccine by Election Day to help him actually has one in his hands and refuses to have his own supporters wear him at his rallies. That is pretty incredible. But here's the president again publicly
2: rebuking his CDC director. I called him about that. Those were the two things I, t- I discussed with him. And I believe that uh, if you ask him, he would probably say that he didn't understand the question uh, because I said to him, I asked him those two questions, the one question which we covered and the mask question. When I called up uh, Robert today, I said to him, uh, what's with the mask? He said, I think I answered that question incorrectly. I think maybe he had misunderstood it. Huh that's absurd that he didn't misunderstand
1: it and it was very clear what he said wasn't confused and by the way it's not just that he said it today right that he held it up and said that about the vaccines and that it's the most effective thing we have he's actually repeatedly said the same thing the mass work it's not even the first time that he has compared their effectiveness to that of vaccines here he is in july
3: <laughs> we're not powerless we don't have to wait for a vaccine although i think we're going to be successful Sooner than many people think. We have the most powerful weapon at our hands right now. I mean, it's it's an enormously powerful weapon. It's just a simple, flimsy mask.
1: Consistency. Well, the president's words are not things the CDC director can ignore tonight, right, and just hope they go away. They are a direct assault on him, and they are a direct assault on the widely proven science. Trump's HHS spokesperson, Michael Caputo, is actually now on a leave of absence for the kind of talk that the president put out there so cavalierly today. Trump, though, of course, isn't going anywhere. He's not a little guy down the totem pole like Caputo. And tonight, the CDC director has been forced to respond, releasing a statement moments ago saying, quote, I 100 percent believe in the importance of vaccines and the importance in particular of a COVID-19 vaccine. A COVID-19 vaccine is the thing that will get Americans back to normal, everyday life. The best defense we currently have against this virus are the important mitigation effects of wearing a mask, washing your hands, social distancing, and being careful about crowds.
0: Oh, oh, no words. No words to describe this insanity. It is just, just incredible. Oh, oh it is just incredible but uh, frankly speaking who can be shocked and surprised I I mean if I can be so bold I told I guess it was my sister I said well after Obama was out and this other uh, resident moved in, I told my sister, I said, he will kill us. He will kill us. And now there's over a quarter of a million Americans dead. And that number is probably, the true number is probably much, much, much higher Oh, well, that's my rant for today. Take care of yourself, because I surely intend to do the same. I believe it was Mayor Eric Garcetti, the mayor of Los Angeles, that was saying today, Uh, That everyone should get a flu shot. And most of us won't do that. We can read. (laughs) I mean, we can read and make uh, sound decisions for our health. And we've read about how ineffective and dangerous these uh, vaccines are. And unfortunately, I think I've shared with you all how... um, Vaccines are they don't invoke a immune response in everyone. I think uh, Mayor Garcetti was saying that today, that they don't work for everyone. And for some people, they're deadly. And I shared with you how I, I'm fortunate to be alive. It was a, a uh, childhood vaccine that left my spine. After decades, (laughs) left my spine where the vaccines are supposed to stay and made its way into my trigeminal nerve, the main nerve in the brain, controlling your sight, your hearing, your speech, your smelling, your, oh, everything, your taste, your balance, it just, the trigeminal nerve was so damaged and is still healing and it's such a horrible horrible experience all because of vaccines and they don't work for everyone and then if you happen to be a person of color then who knows who knows what the risks are who even knows what they're dosing you with if you're Person of color, so I, for one, uh, I put no faith, no faith in this, this uh, nonsense, gibberish, that this uh, so-called leader is saying it doesn't it doesn't mean anything. Nothing at all. And for him to try to argue this week he's not only arguing with doctor Redfield of the C D C which you just heard. He's trying to undermine everything that the C D C or any of the experts say, no matter whether they're in the Pentagon or Or this week he was out here in California arguing with the scientists about climate change. And the facts are right here for anybody, if they want to open their eyes, the facts are right here. The science has been carefully documented, visual and audio and written evidence. Of the climate change, is nobody's keeping it secret. I mean, <laughs> it's it's here for anybody with a brain and the willingness to use the brain. You don't really have to be a rocket scientist. It's it's um, willful, willful ignorance and whew. An uncommon stupidity. It's it's just shocking. It's really shocking. Like I said, I told my sister, my family, after Obama left, said, he will kill us. And that's the way we live, as though this is our last breath, because um, you know, you really need. Someone, they don't have to be the smartest person in the world. We'll never find another Obama. Nobody has an illusion that we will. But we certainly, (laughs) the whole world already said it over four years ago. Can't America do better than this? (laughs) Can't America find somebody better than that? yeah we will I think we have till November this is what October 16th we have till November 3rd to find somebody better (laughs) pray pray for us pray for the world cause um if this is if this conduct continues and it will, then you know, anything goes. Anything goes. If Biden, Joe Biden, wins the election, oh my goodness, he'll be lucky if he ever gets all the way into the White House. There's bound to be so much drama high drama and just oh pray for our country thank you guys I really appreciate you guys being there so that I can rant like this <laughs> so I can rant like this because ooh. These last four years have been a test like none other. And, you know, I survived the 60s. That that seemed like was, you know, a child growing up in the racial climate of the 60s. It just seemed like things could never be worse, but (laughs) here we go. Here we go. And I probably already said more than I need to. (laughs) Said more than I need to. So I'll end this segment for now. Thank you, guys. Much love, peace, and all good things without ending to you and your family, your communities, and your countries.